You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network for our first Amazing Race Canada recap in two weeks. Uh, we missed last week, but we're back here again, and uh, we're by ourselves this time. So thank you again to Martina for joining us last week or two weeks ago for both our premiere slash episode two recap and our interview, which. Uh, uh, I think went over really well. Uh, I think it's our best interview we've done in a long time. Survivor, Amazing Race, Lost, Nip Tuck, whatever shows we've had interviews for, this was the best one by far. I'm assuming Rossi's going to agree. Uh, and we do hope to have Martina and Phil on at some point in the near future. Uh, before the end of the season, we're hoping. Uh, in fact, we're almost guaranteeing it. Let's just guarantee it now. It's happening. Uh, but today, it's just us, sadly. We apologize. And we're here to talk about episodes three and four of The Amazing Race Canada, season seven. Uh, no subtitle this season, no Heroes edition. Let's call it Cab Stealers edition. Uh, <laughs> we got a lot to talk about. And we actually have an elimination in episode three and a non-elimination in episode four. Normally, we skip the non-eliminations and double it up. But I feel there's so much to talk about. I'm glad we are here uh, to cover even the non-eliminate leg in number four. Let's get on with it. My name is Colin, and I went under an iceberg. And my name is Rossi, and much like Canada, every father on the East Coast is a lobster man, except mine. <laughs> uh, I know mine was. <laughs> um, we're still in Canada. This is, um, I guess we've got a lot to talk about, but you don't see the previews for episode five, but we're about to go into the fifth leg, so almost halfway through the race, and we haven't left Canada. I'm starting to wonder if it's going to happen. But, budget cuts. Uh, budget cuts, yeah. But I'm not disappointed because I feel like we still got a lot of good stuff in these episodes. Um, we'll get into the play-by-play of everything that happened. But uh, before we do, just general feelings on episodes three and four, what you can remember of them. Um, I saw them recently, so positive. <laughs> I liked them. I think they are a big step up from the first two, even though I feel like they were – I don't know there's just much more interesting stuff going on you got a new race mechanic and it was just fun teams were really coming out i'm surprised that some people are performing as well as they are mm-hmm. and yeah it's just been fun and enjoyable i like the teams except for one and oh it's been great uh i was gonna say i don't think there's even one team i don't like yet and i'm hoping that the one you don't like isn't the one that everybody says they're not liking uh, but if it is, I think that's fine because, well, let's just say it right now. Is it David Arena? Yeah. And here's the funny thing. There was pretty negative response to David Arena after the first two episodes. I think we even talked about it a little bit with Martina. I'm on the the uh, side that I love them as characters. Uh, but I've been finding a lot of people in the last two weeks have really taken to them in the same way that I am. Like They're, they're such great characters and they're such fierce competitors. And I just feel like, in a way, it's so different on the Amazing Race Canada. Tell me if you agree with this. Because I've seen opinions even from people who are not Canadians, who just, they see the difference of the stereotype of polite Canadians and that that's pretty much what we get on the Amazing Race Canada. We don't have a lot of big, aggressive characters. And I feel like if Dave and Arena were on an American edition, they would be received much differently. And I think a lot of the negative response is just people aren't used to seeing this on Amazing Race Canada. Even though I maintain, as much as Canadians like to say, oh, we're all polite and everything, we're really not. I mean, this is the way most Canadians are, as Dave and Arena. 
uh, or most uh, Ukrainians, I guess, uh, was Arena Ukrainian or something like that. Um, but uh, th- this seems pretty typical Canadian for me. But uh, I don't know. It, what's your opinion on that before we even get in the race? David Arena, do you think you'd be viewing them differently if this was an American season, if they were next to, you know, some of the more typical, uh, fierce, villainous American competitors that we've seen? They're definitely like a good guy mentality like the moms got so bitter about being one weighed and like people were like it's the race like I can't be mad at it but like they were mad about it like it just didn't seem like it was like fair almost Mm -hmm. like that the race is like like honest integrity like the Rupert way of playing (laughs) and like I see like if this was an American edition like we've had way worse on the US oh yeah and I and I don't think that it would change so much. I just feel like it would be less like we'd get less about them. I feel like they'd get less airtime because it'd be like, okay, there's that jerk doing that, but like that would be the end of it. It wouldn't be like he's like the worst man ever. How could he take a taxi from me? Like kind of stuff. Oh, I can't wait to get into Taxi Gate because I think that's the main reason I want to watch this because there do seem to be a lot of opinions that I definitely don't agree with. And I kind of get it in principle, but uh, I I guess we'll get there eventually. Um, So episode three, uh, we did have an elimination in that one. And I guess not too surprisingly, it was Jills and Sean. uh, But uh, episode four, non-elimination leg, uh, we'll kind of eulogize Jills and Sean on the end there. But uh, before we even get into that, surprised at all that they were the third team to go or I I know our predictions didn't expect much out of them but uh, I'm happy they stuck around as long as they did yeah I mean I think they could have definitely lasted longer if they didn't have dancing in their (laughs) uh in their way Mm -hmm. um but no not a shock no and I mean episode three just to catch people up this was the Edmonton episode uh, and uh, episode four was where was that Yukon uh, yellow no Yellowknife Northwest Territory yellow, yeah Northern Territory yeah so and here's something that I even can't give an answer to but like Canada we have in America you've got states Canada we have provinces but then we have these three territories up north which are not called provinces they're they're not even technically classified as a province even though there's really no difference from what I could tell you have Yukon Nunavut and then Northwest Territories. Um, but uh, we, we, uh, I don't know. It, it's culturally, it's n- not too much different than what you get even in the provinces. Can't even quite explain why it's a territory, but uh, it's cool to be able to go to a place. And this, I think this is why I don't mind the Amazing Race Canada sticking in Canada, because Northwest Territories completely different from what you'd get in you know any of the major cities uh, like you know Edmonton or uh, Calgary or Toronto or Winnipeg or anything like that. Um, Edmonton episode, so we'll go through everything we can on this one first. We may breeze through uh, some of the challenges, but uh, standout stuff on this one, uh, same... Cliff bars. The cliff bars, yeah, they come back. <laughs> and I really hope that one day we can get an answer on this uh, with the, the product placement, because we, we have these cliff bars right at the clue station, and I just imagine regular citizens passing by you know before they're filming like oh free cliff bars and just taking one and then getting tackled by a cameraman or something uh but uh the, the i guess the big thing is uh as we kind of predicted dave and arena they had the express pass to give away they gave it away to a less competitive team um anthony and james 
And at the same time, you know, a, a team that I feel like they could get on the good side of, you know, somebody who you think might repay the favor later on. Uh, and they were also given more product placement. pacifists. What's that? Like they're, they're pacifists, so they're not going to even get into it with anyone. Yeah, they will try to steal a cab, but uh, other than that, big pacifists. Uh, and then we get more product placement. We get the Samsung step counter. So I can't even remember what season it was of the American version that had the, the Fitbit. And uh, here I, I completely missed when they said, you know, that they were going to count who had the fewest steps, which does make sense. You know, let's see how efficient you can be. Although that goes against the whole purpose of having a step counter, which is you want to have more steps than you normally do. You know, I have Fitbit and uh, I'm constantly looking at my friends list and seeing, okay, I beat this person. I beat this person. Um, sadly, uh, even though I think I, I went for months without anybody on my friends list beating me in step count, former Auslet Alan Flockhart uh, piled on the steps last week for 135,000, and uh, he beat me. But uh, the Samsung one, this one was to count how many uh, steps, few steps you could take. And then I saw, uh, I think it was Artie and Finesh who were like taking big leaps, and I thought to myself, like, what are they doing? Like, that's going to be less steps. But of course, that was the challenge. Not that it mattered in the end anyways. Uh, and the fr- Did we hear who won? I don't remember the, the episode. Knowing. Yeah, they had Lauren and Joanne ended up winning, which it's not like anything in the episode really showed us <laughs> how they won this. Uh, it's good product placement, though, and, you know, gets people to realize, hey, there's more than Fitbit out there or Garmin or whatever else there is. Do you have a step counter? I don't, but I have a story I could tell. Oh, tell me your Fitbit or Samsung or Garmin story. Well, so in the Amazing Race Australia, they did the exact same thing that they did here, but they did the opposite. So you have to have the most amount of steps. Mm. And I figured this is why they did the fewer steps because the team that ended up winning was like in, they were in Asia somewhere and they stood up in the back of the tuk-tuk and started jogging. (laughs) just to bring up their step counter and they ended up winning whatever prize it was. So it was fun to see that it was actually the fewer amount of steps this time. And Dinesh's strategy of like <laughs> giant steps was pretty fun. Um, yeah, I, I actually do do that sometimes. Not, not that I will ride in the back of a tuk-tuk, but uh, for example, I have like 15,000 is my uh, step goal of the day. And I can usually hit it. And every once in a while, I'll, you know, I I just sit at a desk for most of the day. I do some running around and stuff and try to walk on my lunch. But, you know, if I get home, I'll I'll try to run on the treadmill for a couple kilometers. And then I think last night is an example. I ended up with like 14,000 steps at the end of the day and we're getting ready for bed. And I'm talking to Jamie and she's changing a diaper and I'm just like, running on the spot I wouldn't even say running almost like stepping on the spot bring my knees up and I'm just walking on the spot just to bring my step count up uh, so it does work uh, but uh, this one I don't know there's really no way you could reduce your step they say you have to take the most efficient route but <laughs> uh, there is I guess one of the two detours where this could have come in handy I mean the first one uh, is having to perform with a South African choir uh, children's choir and um, having to learn all the words and everything. And I actually really like that challenge, even though there you know, wasn't too much drama to it. But it, it's what we've been seeing all season is that there's nothing that isn't challenging. Everybody doesn't get it on the first try. We have two, three, four tries often for these teams. Uh, and then having to learn the choreography as well. And then uh, the second one being the uh, puzzle challenge, which uh, this one again presented, I thought, okay, you're putting together a puzzle, but they had to go all the way up this tower and then come down to look at it again and then try to put it together. That's, I think, where a team 
would have really saved on their steps is not having to go back two or three times. Or I guess you could say the same thing even for the um, uh, the choir one. You know, if you perform and then you have to go back, well, you're losing steps to go back and practice again. Or uh, let's look at it this way. If you're in the choir challenge and you're doing choreography, that's counting steps too. So uh, picking the right one uh, obviously played a part as well. Um, I wasn't like crazy about either of these challenges, but I did like them. Any thoughts on the first two Detour challenges we saw? I thought they were like standard challenges, but they had like fun twists to it. Like, like you had to each sing a part of the song and like do the different choreography. I thought that was like instead of just doing choreography, it was like like more interpretive kind of style thing. Mm-hmm. And then the puzzle was cool. Like you have to do two puzzles, but you can only bring one piece at a time, and it didn't really play out in the scenario but like you could miss the tram Mm -hmm. that was going down to the bottom and you'd have to wait the whole time for it to come back up so like layers to it that made it more fun Mm -hmm. and the puzzles were like so similar but different that like it could take a long time it ended up being the way easier challenge but i think they were fun challenges pretty standard i don't think these were the i think these were probably the weakest challenges of the two episodes now, the big thing, I guess, is the one-way, which um, I think Canadian... Dun, dun, dun. Amazing Race Canada, I think this is a first. Uh, did we introduce the face-off? I don't remember seeing a face-off prior to Amazing Race Canada. If we didn't introduce it, we definitely are the first ones to really use it you know, frequently. But a one-way's never appeared on Amazing Race before, has it? Not from what I've seen. Maybe in the you know, very second season of Amazing Race Finland yeah. or something. But. <laughs> Which Jared's competing on right now, season three. Uh, J- yeah. I'm sure Jared will be back with us before the end of the season. Uh, but the one way I actually really like the idea of this, you know, you have where um, teams will have to do both roadblocks, you have uh, things like that. But this time, you basically force them to pick one. So if you have a detour, they don't get the choice. And here we had Lauren and Joanne using the one-way on Amy and Trish to force Trish. Is it Trish who has the hearing impairment or Amy? I don't know. They're the same. One, they're the same. They're both blonde. They're both mothers. Same person. They look too alike. <laughs> I, see, here's the thing. It, it, it doesn't help when you have the same hair color um, because it's even harder to distinguish. You can't just say, oh, the blonde is this one. Uh, but just with any team with the same gender, I have an impossible time telling them apart. Like, I can't tell you which one's Lauren, which one's Joanne. Uh, I definitely can't tell you which one's Megan and which one's Marie. But it's, it's a lot easier when you have male and female teams because it's not hard to remember which one is Sarah. Uh, although I guess Sam could be either. But yeah, whichever one had the hearing impairment, I guess that was the whole idea here. You know, if you can choose in this one way, if you say, I want to one way this player uh, or the, this team you're forcing them to do the detour of your choice. And then the idea is you're, you're picking the one that you think they would do worse at. And smart idea to, you know, use this on somebody with a hearing impairment. Uh, and then the second one being Sarah and Sam who picked Jills and Sean. I don't even remember why they picked Jills and Sean. Uh, obviously, it probably worked out for them. Not that I know that Jills and Sean would have done much better on the puzzle. Uh, and uh, the other thing I noticed, uh, I guess, in this... Um, the, the singing challenge I forgot to mention was Megan and Marie, did you notice how much fun they were having? Like, they performed better than anybody else. They got into it, but they almost got too into the practice. Like, they were doing the practices and like, yeah, again, again. Like, like okay, you're on a time crunch oh. here. What was it? I remember, like, you just kind of jogged my memory, but I think it was like last season we had that pirate challenge. Pirate. And I remember one of the, 
like we had to do the pirate choreography on stage oh, with yeah. the sword stuff and the one of the cheerleaders like she did it so long that she like practiced it like continual and they ended up leaving last or something mm-hmm. that was uh and i just like remember wasn't the practice can kill you wasn't that phil's all-star challenge i remember phil giving an incredible performance in that one uh that was phil's shiny moment but yeah uh, it makes sense in a way that you want to really nail it on the practices because you don't want to have to go again. Um, but I just thought it was hilarious. Like they, they almost seem like they were like, Oh, this practice is so much fun. Let's just practice again. And you know, what if they had come and last, it would have been hilarious. Uh, anyways, I, my favorite, what if? it would have been great. I love to see people fail. <laughs> and we know you, yeah. uh, failing people and burning people, two things that really make me laugh. Um, this isn't even really a challenge, but one of these little midway challenges where they have to go to this antique shop and find John Montgomery. And I love that they threw that twist out there where it's, okay, you are going to go find John at this location. And people were thinking, does that mean it's the pit stop? And I love that they had no context of what this was until they got there. And suddenly it's like, okay, I guess we have to find either John here or something related to John. So again, this made it even more challenging than we normally see on the Amazing Race because they didn't know what they were looking for. So one team, well, one team even found a, a Vancouver 2010 Olympic magazine and just flipped the pages so they found John Montgomery. It's like that's not going to count. We want something specific, John. We're just not going to tell you what it is. And of course, that ends up being a bobblehead. And as soon as I saw that, I immediately started searching on eBay and on Amazon to see if I can get a John bobblehead of my own. Because if I knew they made that, like I got to collect the Canadian Olympians. Uh, bobblehead set you know i'll get john i'll get melissa uh i'm sure i'll get sarah and sam next year but uh uh i i want one of these if anybody out there has one of these they're willing to part with we will gladly take it and we'll bring you on as a special guest on <laughs> the oz network with us they want a reward not a punishment <laughs> we'll bring you on with martina and phil how about that <laughs> or martina and phil if and you have that. the john bobblehead uh we'll bring you back on again we're gonna do it anyways uh anyways i love this challenge and we'll just kind of group in the roadblock which is the uh japanese floral arrangement that they had to make Uh, on paper didn't sound great i thought this was gonna be like a lot of the ones in the last two like the train set where i'm sure it's challenging but it doesn't present itself that well to the audience but i actually liked all the 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 details that they had to have in this one um, and again, we saw some shakeups in here. So, uh, between John's bobblehead and the Japanese floral arrangements, what did you think about the next two challenges? Definitely the thrift store hunt was really cool to also play with the step counter. Like, like Megan mm-hmm. and Marie, I know they were like, we spent so much time. We're like completely not going to get this reward because they spent so long looking for the bobblehead and stuff. So, but I thought it was a fun challenge. Like, find john but like could it be the person could it be like a picture like his iconic like uh kind of olympic moment or something like that like it could be anything and i thought that was a fun twist especially in a store that was so huge mm-hmm. and it got and a cool like element of it is that as few more teams found their thing like it was harder to find like the last few teams really had to search because there was less and less options for them to find it um and the Japanese thing, yeah, like you said, it was a little hard to translate to TV, but I thought it was a fun challenge. A lot of teams struggled with it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so not worried because like I don't really love them that much that I'm like, no, they can't get eliminated. But the moms where they were like that one little leaf yeah. 
was hidden behind the thing and she didn't see it and she's like check nope and she like had like so many flowers cut up like she really tried and it was crazy that she almost lost because she even told Jill's like what it was mm-hmm. like oh I didn't clean out my station enough yeah exactly and he's like is that it and I was like <laughs> she just like ruined it like she could have been eliminated and Jill's was like the biggest mess ever too <laughs> like he will never get a job in this line of work um but this is kind of going back to the Amazing Race US, the the finale, the uh, Seven Nation Army drum kit finale, where it was one little detail that you can miss. And I love when you can have a challenge like this that maybe if every team just breezed through this or if it was little details like the, if it was the height of it, you're going to have a really hard time translating that to the audience. And you could have somebody say something, oh, I wonder if my flowers are high enough. But you can't force those lines of dialogue. And the fact that it ended up being just the mess around them, the cameras have that opportunity. When they have the opportunity to kind of zoom in on what the mistake is and not clue in the people, but the audience gets it, that can bring something interesting to the challenge that we don't normally get, like in a train challenge, you know, or a train set challenge. So that really made it for me. And, and yeah, I just love seeing how messy Jill's was. Um Obviously, when they have the uh, uh, Jills and Sean end up coming in last place. Well, before I get to last place, uh, so who's our first place team? I don't know who. <laughs> Dave and Arena. Uh, no, they weren't first place. Were they? Yeah, they were. Yeah, Dave and Arena. I, I was looking at. The, I'm looking at this. I'm like, wait, how did I get that wrong? I've got the first in my notes and they're third. No, I'm looking at the fourth leg. Third leg, first place, and it's like uh, when they won. They said, you win a trip for two to Casablanca. And I just would have loved them to be like, that's okay. We've already been there. <laughs> we got an episode two. Uh, but no, instead, uh, they're uh, very excited about it. Um, and Jills and Sean, who are, of course, the last ones to arrive, we brought up how they sort of toss their bags when they're only like 10 feet away. And I kind of get that when it's like in a real foot race. But whether they knew they were the last team or not, they didn't see any other teams around them. So the fact that like, let's toss the bags and they're literally like 10 feet away. <laughs> I'm like, is this just their gimmick? They're like, we're going to be the guys who toss our bags every time. Uh, but sadly they come in last. I wasn't really surprised to see them go this early. I thought it would have been great if they could make it all the way to the end. I don't know how well you remember a lot of the early seasons of amazing race. Uh, but uh, season three is one of my all time favorite seasons. And, I just remember having that expectation with Terry and Ian, who are the old couple, uh, that, they're, oh, they're going to be the ones who go first. And they end up just dominating and being one of the top teams and ended up going all the way to the finale and I think placed third. So I love to see when an older contestant can just really surprise you and go all the way. Um, the fact that they even came in third last, I think, is more than most people expected. Uh, any parting shots for Jills and Sean? I thought they were a fun team. And grandfather, grandson, we don't get to see it often. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. They were they were fine. <laughs> they were fine. This is Canadian Ron and Christina. Less successful. No. no. No one can live up to the amazingness of Ron and Christina. <laughs> so, okay, do we have any other really great elderly teams? I mean, cuz the only ones that really come to mind are Terry and Ian and Ron and Christina for me. The one that came to mind immediately when I see the grandfather grandson thing was the season 12 which was Ron and Christina's first season. There was that old man and his grandson. And they ended up finishing in the top three as well. Mm, do you remember their names? If I heard their names, it would jog my memory. Nick and something. Nick and something. Hmm. 
which one was something which is very I'm generic pulling like, it up right now because season 12 i don't think i've seen it since it originally aired but when i did see it it was actually one of my favorite seasons uh nick and donald oh yeah i remember nick and donald yeah okay so we got three really great elderly teams i mean not the christina's elderly or um <laughs> nick is elderly shots fired yeah. <laughs> um but yeah it, it would be nice i wouldn't even mind if we just had more teams like this because I feel like the early seasons, they had more diverse cast, but I also get there's a lot of physicality and you don't want to run the risk of somebody dropping. All the old people, are, right now Jill's is like, how terrible. Um, you don't want to run the risk of somebody dropping dead or heart attack, but uh, I actually really did love them. I thought they were, I would have put them at least in my top half teams. Uh, but where did they land? We got our predictions for three weeks in a row here to catch up on. So I hope you've been keeping track of it. But Jet and Dave, we're the first ones to go. Um, no. Let's just do the predictions now. Uh, where did we, me, you, and Jared, predict Jet and Dave would land? Okay. I said they would come in second. <laughs> you said they would come in second. And Jared said they would finish dead last. Are you serious? He yeah. has spoilers. I'm telling you. like He nails it year after year after year. Somebody out there is actually cluing in Jared Lubick. And he's ran off on a vacation to Finland just so he can hide from us so he doesn't have to be called out on this. Jared, I'm calling you a cheater right now. Uh, To be fair, he doesn't know them. So to to him, it's 10 brand new teams. Well, he does know them if Jet and Dave were like, hey, I'll give you the one up on calling a Rossi. Um, Here's my predictions. Uh, Nikki and Aisha, I'm pretty sure I ranked them pretty high preseason. What were our predictions on them? You said they would finish third. (laughs) Jared said they would finish sixth. And I said they would finish in seventh. Okay, so Rossi gets the point. Um, So Jared gets one, I get one. Two of my top three teams were the first two out. Who is my number one? Please tell me it's somebody good. You know who it is, come on. Is it Dave and Arena? Yeah. Okay, I'm happy. Although I, I would have been really sweating on episode four. <laughs> um, let's go with Jills and Sean. Uh, I'm so glad you didn't say I picked them as first because then I would be out of this race automatically. Close. <laughs> you picked them at ninth. <laughs> oh, I'm close. Who picked them but at Jared eighth? Jared and I got it at eighth. Exactly. Oh. So we also both get a point. So it's two for each of us and none for you. You know, believe it or not, I'm not actually usually that bad at the predictions. I just always happen to be like, one or two guesses off from you or Jared or Kristen. Uh, I mean, I, I can't even remember what season was where we got Kristen to make her picks, and she didn't even watch the season. I'm pretty sure she beat me. Man, I'm bad at this. Let's get Kristen. Let's not even tell her who's been eliminated. Let's just get her to predict this. Just give her the names and say, rank them 1 to 11 or 10. We'll do it at the end of the season for the finale. Yeah, exactly. We'll bring her on for the finale. Tell us what you thought about this. Uh, so episode four, this is the really fun one to me. Uh, and I, I'll easily call this the best episode of the season and probably the best episode. I would rank this up there with some of the best episodes we've seen in American Canadian version over the last couple of years. Uh, but, uh, first thing that I kind of threw me off on, um, I guess the edit was Artie and Finesh saying, you know, we're definitely one of the top two teams. We're definitely not going home. And I was thinking to myself, they're either going home or they're going to be like right at the bottom. Uh, but it didn't work out that way, so maybe they're getting exact opposite. They're getting the winners at it at this point. And uh, when they find out they're going to Northwest Territories, we find out that Sarah has a fear of being cold. You're from Canada. 
you can't find any place in this country that's not cold. Maybe if you're from BC, it's like, I don't know, cool, but not cold. But you're from Canada, Sarah. Uh, I mean, Rossi, you, you probably experience cold where you're from as well, right? Yeah, and I would not want to move more north if I was afraid of the cold. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to find where she's from. I mean, I'm pretty sure somewhere in Ontario, but like, how did you live your life? We got to get her on the show to find out about this fear of the cold. Uh, and I guess the, the first challenge, okay, so when they land there, first challenge is the ice fishing. Have you ever been ice fishing before? No. So it's quite challenging the way that we did it. They got this machine that was uh, gas-powered or something that actually drilled the hole for you. We went to winter camp and, you know, you have like, I don't know, 20 or 30 different activities you could choose from. You kind of got to pick, you're going to do these four on this day. And I actually didn't even set a schedule for myself. And somehow I just was, I'd walk into something. And one time one of my friends going to ice fish. Okay, I'll do that. We had to like use the same machine, but we'd have to spin in circles or twist it with our hands to dig through the ice. It was not fun. I don't even think I got all the way through the ice. I just gave up. Uh, But it's definitely not easy. Uh, And after that, they had to, I guess, have it completely cleaned out clear uh no ice particles floating or anything like that and then have it just the right size to uh dangle and they'd have to catch a fish which would have made it even more challenging but still we're four episodes in and we're seeing teams presented with challenges where little details are tripping them up so i liked this challenge um do you want to talk about this one or you want to move on to anything else i did want to bring up i think they like were the production gave them the same like jacket because everyone was wearing the same red coat mm. in the episode and that just caught my eye and i don't know why it's like traditional canadian ice fishing <laughs> that's oh. it's not but <laughs> <that's>... oh. <laughs> maybe okay. it is i don't uh, know i haven't ice fished since the eighth grade <laughs> i did want to comment like um Artie and thinesh were the like the stars of some of the stars of the episode mm-hmm. and like when they had to scoop out the ice from the water she's like don't do, do it slowly yeah. do it fast <laughs> and he was just like shh, shh, and it wasn't doing anything and lauren and, and joanne just, were going like at a snail pace through this as well two completely different strategies it didn't really matter one way there because i guess that's okay. that's the thing is that if you keep trying to bail it out that quickly you're probably moving so fast that you're actually just letting the rest of the ice la- around it collapse into it Okay, also, I I know we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but people, keep your cab. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, we'll, we'll talk about the challenges and we'll get back to that because I got quite a few opinions on that. Um, so the roadblock, this is where you have to uh, find a diamond uh, marked with maple leaf. Or you have to find six of them uh, marked with a maple leaf. I actually wonder how, because this looked like a lot of teams struggled with it. And if it had to be six of them, I wonder if it would have been worthwhile to just be like, you know what, I've only, I, like, I, six of these are going to be right. Let me just try it, to breeze through this challenge by just picking six at random, weighing them, marking it down or whatever, giving it to the guy. And if you're wrong, go pick another six. Because it may have saved time, especially for the ones who had been there a long time. Like James, <laughs> uh, this is where I think James became a star. Because uh, I think Anthony's kind of been the bigger character between the two. But James, where you know he was fumbling with these diamonds and they're flopping all over the place and almost dropping down <laughs> vents, um, total klutz with them. 
and they just kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And I guess the the express pass is another thing to talk about, which we'll we'll get to. But uh, still, another challenge that presented a challenge to the teams. Uh, I don't know if it would have been worth it to try that or if it was even possible. It was just something that sort of came to my mind. And then, uh, well, let's, I guess we have to get into the roadblock. So we'll group all three of these challenges in and then express passes. That's what this section will be. That's what we'll call this segment. Um, when we label these segments for our best of year end, because we know we got lots of best of clips here. Uh, <laughs> the express pass challenge segment. And really what happened here is... Dave and Arena go on to the roadblock where they have to dive underneath the ice. Uh, it's I guess, essentially, I guess, w- like a polar plunge. You have to get in a wetsuit. You have to swim underneath the ice, come out the other side. You're guided by a rope. You're completely safe and attached to it. I'm not going to judge anybody for being afraid of it. We got into this when we were doing last season, and there was the paintball challenge. And I think it was Leanne and Mar just had a complete meltdown. And we're like, you know, can you really judge somebody? Because everybody's going to have something that they just get completely panicky over. And it's not going to bother most people, but that's just, that's their thing. So can't judge Sarah, can't even necessarily judge Arena, maybe can't completely judge Arena. Uh, But Dave and Arena use the Express Pass when they just see it. Um, Back at the Diamond Challenge, Anthony and James wait to use it. Now they're one of the last two teams. And like, should we use it? No, let's keep going. And only when Trish and Amy actually passed the challenge did they say, we're going to use the Express Pass, which I thought was completely foolish. Granted, it did not seal their fate or anything, but I was thinking to myself, this is going to be the biggest screw-up since Hamilton and Michaela wasted their advantage, Uh, which still goes down as maybe the most foolish mistake anybody had with an advantage. Why wait to the end? You're getting another one, but okay. Which one? Tell me which one was worse. Uh, Megan and Courtney. What did they do? They kept their express pass instead of using it oh, and yeah. eliminated that well, one. Well, yeah, I guess let's call it a two-way tie for first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but here you are, one of the two last teams. I guess very similar to last season. One of the two last teams. The only time you know that it's worth it to use the express pass is before that other team finishes it. If you use it when they finish, you've only made yourself even and you know best case scenario you're tied for last place and you never know what's going to happen at the next roadblock. So the challenge itself was okay. I thought that was foolish. David Arena, um, the fact that he said, you know, I don't want my wife to have to do this. Again, I kind of get that. But there's things that Jamie, Jamie wouldn't want to do this if I was on The Amazing Race with her. But I would never say let's use the express pass here because you don't know what's coming next. The only time it really makes sense to use an express pass is if you have no other choice. You've tried a challenge, you can't do it. If Sarah had said, we have to use an express pass here, I would have gotten it because it's something that she did not know she could bring herself to. Arena didn't, she just seemed like, I really don't want to. She even said later on, I just don't want to do this. Which maybe she was lying. Maybe she really couldn't have done it and she just wanted to save face. But the way it was presented here, I couldn't believe that either of these teams wasted the express passes. Thoughts? I don't think it was as stupid for Anthony and James just because like, I feel like they waited the last possible second to use it. Like, I think if they waited any longer, it would have been really bad. But I think it, it was fine. Like, they were lock steady with the the mothers. Um, it only became more fatal when they didn't have, like, a cab later on. But I, I thought it was fine. Like, I, I think, like, try the challenge. If you can't do it, then use it, which is what they did. So I thought it was fine. Uh, 
I was more like, can't believe that they wasted theirs for the other two, especially because she didn't even try. Like they knew they were in first. Yeah. So like, why couldn't they just try it? And it wasn't like it was three feet. I believe they said mm-hmm. like that they had to swim under, like she couldn't have even given it one shake. Yeah. Like, and they were in first. So like maybe their strategy would be, okay, if you can't do it until the next team shows up, we use it or yeah, something like exactly. that. I just think like a team who's supposed to be really smart and really strong and competitive, like blew it on something they could have done. Whereas they took a penalty for something that they could have used an express pass on. Would you have done the challenge? I mean, I'm sure you would have, but would you have struggled with it in any way? I mean, if it was that cold, maybe, but I seeing how long the distance was, it was not that bad. Mm -hmm. I would have been fine. And again, I'm not going to judge anybody if they can't do it. Like if Sarah had not been able to do it, I don't consider that any different than, uh, I can't remember if it was Leanne or Mar who had trouble, you know, with that, that paintball one. Uh, but for me, I mean, I would jump at this. I'd do it for free right now if I could. I mean, they have these things every single year, like the polar plunge things. And I always think about doing it, but, uh, I would, I wouldn't hesitate for a second. It's just usually these things, you know, you're doing it for charity or something. You got to raise funds and, ah, I don't have the time for that, but this is fun for me. I've just for the fun of it. When I was a teenager, I used to run out in the snow wearing just shorts and do somersaults, like in the middle of the boulevard uh, <laughs> in a busy street, just for the fun of it. So the cold doesn't bother me at all. Uh, the swim wouldn't have bothered me at all. But uh, I mean, if I'm, if it bothers somebody else, great. It's just I don't. Here's the problem I have. When we get to the next challenge, the longitude and latitude one, which again I thought was great because some people did struggle with this. Uh, I can't. Remember, I think it was. Um, was it Trish and Amy? Somebody said this is like third grade geography. It's pretty close because I, I I I don't think it was any higher than the fifth grade when we learned longitude and latitude. Uh, but maybe they've forgotten it since then. I love that Sarah and Sam had to they they were smart enough to go and Google this first, but then still okay, we still can't get this and going and getting the help. Smart to do that, but you got to wonder like. Is it that hard? Like, do you understand? Is it is that taught there in schools in America? <laughs> I'm not judging. Just I don't know what's different about the educational systems. If it was, I don't remember. I mean, it's basically just like a grid. You know, you have longitude, and you you line up one number that's going sideways, and then latitude, another number that's going. I could be mixing up which one's sideways and which one's top to bottom, and you just find the connecting point on the map. It's pretty simple if you know what it is. I um, would have guessed the ticks, though, like. Mm-hmm. Like, what does this other number mean? I would have been like, okay, they have like clearly like numbers marked on the side, like count, maybe see if it yeah. like gives you like, and considering they were all landmarks, mm-hmm. like my brain would just be like, oh, okay, maybe it's like if we got close to it, I'd be like, oh, it's this lake. Yeah, because it's not going to be the middle of this hill <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it, like they're not going to tell you to write the coordinate. Like it's not going to be something obscure. Yeah, what is that 6271? Uh, 6271 is at 6271. Like it's going to be something. So yeah. Um, but still, I love the challenge. And uh, I, I guess Dave and Arena really struggling with this. I don't I don't mind that they went through this. I thought that presented all the drama of the episode. That's why I love this episode so much is that I love when a team wastes something. But I feel like we needed something on the end when they ended up checking in first. And John said, you use the express pass and it paid off. And I'm like, what? They saved like three minutes and wasted an hour and a half on longitude latitude? I, I'm making no judgments against Dave and Rhea. I love that when a team fails, that's what makes them an interesting team for me. But I wanted some moment. If this were Phil, you know Phil would have said, 
you know, you use your Express Pass, but do, even just question them. Do you think that maybe if you saved it for the other one that you would have had a better result? Or, you know, were you worried at any point? Just at least question the fact that it just wasn't even mentioned. Bother me if there's anything that I've ever been unhappy with John Montgomery for. It's the fact that he didn't even just question them on that. Yeah, that seemed weird. And, like, yeah, they... I will also say that, like, I had no idea what their penalty time was going to be. Like, Two hours. who takes a root info penalty? <laughs> like, I, like, I literally was like, I have no idea what t- how much time this is. And, like, we didn't know until they got to the pit stop. Mm-hmm. So that was even more dramatic for me. I was like, like, I know Roblox 4. I know the Detour's 24. Like, what is the root info? Like, we don't get this on the U.S. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. Um, I, I was added into an amazing race... Uh... Uh, fan group by one of our loyal listeners, Chris Dixon, if you're listening. Thank you, Chris. Fan. Great, you're great group. Um, and we've got some good former racers in this group as well. Maybe I'll add you, Rossi. You'll have some good discussions. But uh, some people are bringing up not liking the fact that when a team gets a penalty, they actually just get to wait it out at the pit stop. To me, that's what makes a penalty. If you just have to sit there waiting, what if your penalty is so long that all the other teams go, you have no suspense on the end of the episode? For me, the suspense is, if you take a penalty, are you at risk of going home? And as a viewer, I care more about what's going to make entertaining TV. And I love seeing a team sitting there having to watch the other teams come ahead of them. And that's what I loved about Dave and Arena. And it would have been, I can't even imagine how exciting this would have been, is if they're waiting, you're watching the clock, you know, count down. And suddenly you have another team racing towards it. So you got tense. We've seen that in past seasons. I think it was uh, season three where we actually saw that. Um, but still, it provided some of the best drama of the episode. But the best drama of this episode was Cabgate. Uh, so this happens on every season of The Amazing Race. It is not exclusive just to this season. It just, it all seemed to be the right city where finding a cab was quite difficult. The right teams were all just slightly getting annoyed with some people anyways. And it all sort of just came together. It was like a perfect storm. And the fact that we had so many people saying, I can't get a cab, I can't get a cab, and just asking. And again, on that same you know group, there were a lot of discussions about, is this right? Is it wrong? Is it stealing to steal a person's cab? I 100% believe these teams are not at fault at all for these reasons. One, well, let me get your opinion first, and then I'll, I'll give my rant on this to the all the cab stuff yeah i just thought it was stupid like they saw that at the airport there was very few like lauren and joanne had to call for one the moms mm-hmm. ran far into it like i just my mindset is if you can't get one like just keep it like it looks so remote like just keep it to your cab like the only team that struggled with keeping it was Sarah and Sam who ran up their tab because they went 500 places. <laughs> but, like, you're not going to have an issue. Just keep the cab and you're fine. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why teams did that. Like, Lauren and Joanne were like, if you just want to leave after, like, 10 minutes, thanks. Like, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. And then, like, other teams, like, especially after seeing, like, hearing at the Diamond thing that someone stole cabs and go to another place and see... And just leave their cab or taxi drive. Like, Trish and Amy's, like, just left Mm -hmm. for no reason. Like, what is this going on? Like, why can't people just be like, I'm going to come back. And if it's either to leave with you or I'm just going to pay you off because I have to go somewhere else, not by cab. Like, I just don't know why teams don't, like, see that. Yeah. Especially because, like, 
this was a hard place. It's not like it was in the middle of downtown Toronto or something like that. It was in the like territories. Like it was so remote. Like think. And like, I get teams are going to behave a certain way in the heat of the moment. Um, my reaction is more like, why is nobody considering the driver? Okay. Cause here's the thing. We already know they're in a place where these drivers are not easy to come by. And these people make a living driving a cab. It would be nice if you could just say to a driver, hey, can you wait for us? Sure. They wait 10 minutes. They wait 20 minutes. Fine. If they get a call and they're like, oh, this person needs a ride. They're either going to sit there on break waiting for you to come back, losing money, or they're going to go make money. And when I'm at my job, if somebody said to me, you know what? Can you just wait and go off the clock and not get paid? And when you come back, don't worry. I'll make it worth your while. I'm only going to wait so long. So I'm I'm not going to fault the cab drivers for, like you said, one just got up and left. They probably had some fare on the other side of Yellowknife they needed to pick up or that somebody was going to pick up. And it's competitive for these guys too. I mean, they, they just make it off of their fares. But like you said, my biggest point is do something to make sure that the drivers are going to stick with you. And a couple of teams did that. I can't even remember who they were, but one team said, we will pay you double. Okay, so if you're going to do that, I, I think it was one of those teams where the, the another team tried to steal their cab, which I'm not going to fault the racers. You already know these things are scarce in Yellowknife. What are you going to do? Just say, oh, you know what? But this person had that cab, but they're not paying for it right now. You might as well ask. If I'm in the race, I'm still going to ask. Anybody in the race is going to ask. If these other teams were in the same situation, they would ask. Uh, which one was it? One of the teams who actually later on... Um, tried to steal a cab. I think it was even Trish and, it might have been Trish and Amy. If I'm wrong, I'm sure somebody's going to yell at me. But one of the teams who had their cab stolen later on tried to take another team's cab because that's what you're going to do. So you have that on one hand. You have it on another hand. Oh, I've got three hands here. You got on another hand. <laughs> the fact that these drivers, you can't just expect them to stay forever. And then you have, okay, if you do do something to them, if you say, I'm going to pay you double, make sure it's not just on a promise. Like give like you said, give them an incentive to stay. And also watch your money as it came down to Sarah and Sam. Because they said keep the meter running. That's what the only way you're gonna make sure to keep the cab is to do that. You can't just say I'm on a race and hope a person's gonna be nice enough to stick around. They have a job to do. Um if you offer them double the money, make sure you have the money. And that again, another little thing that just made this one of the best episodes I've seen in a long time. Sarah and Sam do the right thing to keep their cab, but they don't keep track of their money. And I kind of knew something was up when early in the episode they said you have $250 for this leg of the race. Something we haven't heard in probably 10 years on any edition, but it's clearly still a thing that you have so this much money. And they run out of money. <laughs> so they have to go begging for money, which was hilarious. I do love that they're like, oh, Canadians are so nice. Like A lot of those people saw the cameras on them and they, <laughs> they probably weren't going to be the one jerk who's like, I'm not giving you money. Uh, if anybody comes to my workplace and is like, you know what, I'm in a race and I need to raise $90, you're going to get a couple people saying, here's five. These people giving away $20 and $100, $90 one guy gave, guaranteed they knew the cameras were on them, but uh, still made a great moment for it. Uh, anything else you want to add on Cabgate? I one thing they could have tried, I know this is maybe it could possibly be a flaw, but like um, if you leave your bags in a cab, mm -hmm. another racer is again, it's against the rules to take them out. Yeah. It would have to be the driver or some non race participant. There you go. Mm -hmm. Like, so that would be another way of obviously keeping the cab. Also, you could tell them stay here, but keep the fare running, which is probably what Sarah and Sam did. Mm -hmm. 
um, like so they won't leave unless you're paying them kind of thing so like that would incentivize them to stay yeah uh, I just feel like some of these cab, the cab drivers are just stay how many people in Yellowknife need transportation <laughs> and I mean I kind of feel for the drivers because like this is all they have Yellowknife is not, not so big that like you said it's like Toronto you're always going to have something to do and when you have so many people saying hey can you just wait for me and you're not getting paid for it what are you going to do but like you said keep your bags in the cab if you're worried about another team trying to take it I can't blame the cab drivers for saying oh somebody's willing to pay me right now of course I have to take it I need to earn a living but if you're going to go as far to even say can we leave our bags in the cab no other team is going to try to take it and then you're at least coming down just to the driver himself if the driver has to leave he will take your bags out he will put them on the side of the road and he'll leave but then that's only one person you at least eliminate the possibility another team could take it more than anything i think what's great about this episode is that it's teaching future teams things you have to watch for so i'm kind of annoyed by the reaction of oh this is so dishonest it's it's the race everybody does this in every international edition if you don't have a cab ask a cab even if another team asks them to wait, if you can get them to take you, you're not cheating. <laughs> There's no penalty for this. There never should be. It provided an entertainment moment on the race. And it's showing people something they have to do in the future. And it's making it challenging for them. So great TV. Um, rant over. <laughs> Nothing else you want to add? I thought it was great. Like, great drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're completely in agreement on this. This was, to me, it made the episode. Uh, and just everything around it. I mean, we have the express passes in this episode getting wasted <laughs> and then even more getting wasted because it's non-elimination leg, which I'm sure some people are like, oh, I just wish if somebody used an express pass, it actually mattered. I like to see people fail. I'm not, you know, being cruel and saying that, but it creates drama. When you see a mistake, that's television entertainment. So the fact that they wasted these and then wasted it again because of a non-elimination leg doesn't bother me at all. It made for a good episode. So... Let's rate these episodes. Episode three, do you want to buy it, rent it, or bin it? I'm going to uh, rent it at the, the thrift shop. <laughs> uh, well, I don't think they rent things at the thrift shop. <laughs> uh, I'm going to rent it as well. Although if I were to buy it, I would buy it at the thrift shop, um, hopefully for a reduced rate. Uh, but I would only buy it if it came in a package with John Bobblehead. Episode four, you're going to buy it, rent it, or bin it? Buy for sure, Definitely. Buy, or steal it as a, in a taxi. Yes, that's right. <laughs> um, next week we're still in Canada. I'm trying to find where we're going again because I already forget what the preview showed. Uh, are you bothered that we're not leaving Canada yet? Do you want to see something like? I to me it doesn't I matter. Been, except this episode was so good and it was still in Canada, mm-hmm. and it was very different from a city. So. So next week they're going to Nanaimo, British Columbia, uh, home of Nanaimo bars. Do you have Nanaimo bars down there? No idea. Oh, I am going to. Uh, I'm going to find a way to get you to try Nanaimo bars, the most incredible dessert you could ever try. And I know very well, Martina and Phil, taste of the race. I guarantee they're making Nanaimo bars next week. So even if you just have to find a clip of that, uh, just Google Nanaimo bar right now. Like it's. It, uh, it's indescribably beautiful <laughs> uh, we're gonna come up with, here's the only sad thing okay for Nanaimo bars is you can't really get them gluten free Jamie's tried to make them for you before they ended up just being the individual it's basically three layers and it's being just the individual elements I'm still happy with that but uh, uh, Martina if you're listening I want you to come up with a good gluten free Nanaimo bar recipe for me uh, maybe she'll make it. that on Dempster's Taste of the Race I guarantee they will and you know what 
if if they do, then we got to bring her on here to at least do some type of audio or recipe reading or something like that. And we got to get their ideas for the gluten-free version because I got to try it. Uh, but keep watching Taste of the Race as well. Martina and Phil's little web spinoff. I don't know if you have a way to watch it. I'd be keeping up because we have the CTV site here, but you probably don't have access to that. Uh, are you able to watch any of this or have you seen it at all? No, sorry, Martina. No, we'll, we'll find a way to get Rossi to watch it and find a way to get him to Nanaimo Baris. Um, but uh, I don't really care that we're not leaving Canada because when I watch the U.S. Amazing Race or Australian Amazing Race, I guess, you know, uh, Asian Amazing Race, those are the three versions I've seen. They go to other countries. I've seen all those countries. They rarely come to Canada. We're not running out of places in Canada so far. I'm already looking at Lake Six. They're going to Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Um, so I'm not seeing any non-Canadian legs at this point. So who knows? It might be an all-Canadian season. But it's been good so far, so I'm not bothered by it. Um, Rossi, thank you for joining us. We're hopefully going to be back next week. We're hopefully going to have Martina and Phil on a week after that. We're hopefully going to have a couple other racers from past seasons of Amazing Race Canada that we're uh, crossing our fingers going to line up before the end of the season. Um, but it's been a good season so far. Uh, we're about uh, over the third of the way through. Are you giving it a buy, rent, or bin for the season so far? Uh, it's, a, it's a good start. It's a good start. Uh, that is it. We got other episodes coming up. Um, Lost, I think, is back on after a brief hiatus. Uh, third Watch is still running. We are... At the end of Disney Live Action Month, um, listen to Ben and Mallory's review of the live action Lion King. It might be the most scathing review anybody has ever given on the Oz Network. Uh, Quite entertaining to watch. And if you just read the episode write up, which I'm sure you saw, Rossi, it was literally just the words, Why does this movie suck? repeated about 90 times. (laughs) And finally, Why does this movie suck? Download now and I'll find out. Um, I'm actually almost more I was going to see the movie and then Ben even mentioned this in the episode he was waiting for me and Jamie to see it and I thought to myself okay we got free passes to go see a movie Lion King's really the only thing out we haven't seen yet Um, Jamie loves the first Lion King mildly interested in seeing it we were going to go Ben gave his review Tuesday morning I told Jamie yeah let's not go bother to watch this and I told Ben we're saving our babysitter Um, (laughs) we're going to wait and see something else and now after listening to his room, I'm actually more curious to see it, to see if it really is as bad as he says. Uh, but I guess the next thing we really have coming up, as far as months go, we're going to be getting into Star Wars and Terminator stuff in the fall. But um, Room, no, sorry, not Room, The Room. Which one is the good one with Brie Larson and which is the Tommy Wiseau one? Rossi doesn't know. I have but no idea. We have The Room coming up, Tommy Wiseau. We're going to have the one-year anniversary of us reviewing this sometime in August, so stay tuned for that soon. As well, random rewatches are going to be coming back. We have something very exciting lined up, I think, for September. Am I right, Rossi? Sure. Something very exciting Rossi suggested. Rossi gets a whole month, uh, and uh, we'll be back for that. And many other things. More Amazing Race Canada next week. Uh, Thank you for joining us. My name is Colin, and Nanaimo Barks. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.